and welcome to the Free Like Me podcast by FLM. This podcast aims to help people like you navigate the world of financial planning. We'll be delving into things that we and our clients care about, talking about hot topics and inviting you to get to know our team a little bit better. My name is Caitlin Lambert and I'm a senior advisor here at FLM and I'm going to be your host today. So today we're going to be discussing lifestyle creep or sometimes otherwise known as lifestyle inflation and how earning more money doesn't always translate to having more money. I'm joined today by my colleagues Anna and Will who are going to be discussing this in more detail. Welcome to the Free Like Me podcast guys. Hi. Thank you. Hello. So let's start off with a quick introduction. Anna, can you give our listeners a little bit of a background information on yourself? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I'm an advisor here at FLM, and I think I think it's really important to have this conversation kind of around um, the lifestyle creep and how this starts to implement. I, I, typically, my portfolio of clients is a, is a whole mix of people, but quite a lot of them tend to be in the entertainment uh, music industry. So this for us is a massive point of conversation. Um, so really happy to kind of be on here and sharing a little bit of insight into that uh, today. Brilliant. And Will, what about you? Yeah, so uh, my name is Will. I'm an associate advisor here at FLM and I actually work um, in Caitlin's team. So this isn't the first time we have chatted today. No. Um, I am probably one of the only sub 30 year olds in the UK that thinks about their pension all day, every day. Um, and so, yeah, I think this is something I'm, I'm really interested to talk about today too. Brilliant. Okay, well, let's get into it then. What is lifestyle creep and what does this mean for our listeners? Anna, do you want to comment on that? Yes, yeah, so, so try and keep it really simple. It's basically when living expenses and non-essential expenditure, so discretionary expenditure, grows with income. So it's spending as much as you're kind of earning. Um, and it's a continuation all the way. And we see it a lot throughout people's lifestyles is when a salary increases, so does your outgoings. And and the the habit sort of creeps up on people in terms of you get accustomed to a more expensive way of living and a, an expensive lifestyle and it really becomes the norm so i think what a lot of the time is uh, quite a good way of looking at it is if sometimes if you think oh my gosh i couldn't possibly have lived that lifestyle how on earth did i live on this kind of budget it, it really puts it into perspective that it's doable but it's not necessarily what you're accustomed to now so that's it's creeping up on you basically the more money you're spending yeah i, I can definitely relate to that in terms of my own um progression through my career and time in london certainly and some of the places i lived in when i first moved over here from australia <laughs> um will what would you say for our clients and listeners that the early signs of lifestyle creep are? Um, I'd say the first sort of sign of, of lifestyle creep really is just spending without thinking. So as your pay increases, it kind of it seems very easy to start going out for more meals, uh, you know, buying more takeaway coffees and making sort of what seem to be really small lifestyle changes. But over a period of time, they really start to add up. Um, and, you know, I think once you get into a habit of, spe- you know, going out for more meals and spending more on, on takeaway coffees, then it leads to the next thing. And, and that has a knock on effect. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the first thing really is just that not really putting your mind to where your money is going. I don't know if if you have anything to add to that, Anna. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing is people, when they earn more money, seem to lose all sense of logic. And it's quite weird because you spend so long strategizing about which job you're going to have and how you're going to earn more money. And are you going to go into this meeting and say, you know, to your supervisor or your head, you know, I would like to have an implemented more money, bigger bonus. But then when you get the money, all logic and rationale goes out the window and people just act on emotion. And and, and a lot of the time people buy things, not because not for any logical reason, Um it's for to impress others or to show off a certain element of wealth. And even sometimes if it's above what you can actually afford and what you can implement, people will do that to impress others. So it's, it's acting on this rather weird emotional stance rather than any solid, rational, logical thinking as to, to how it's going to improve someone's life. Yeah, I'm sure that is it is kind of exacerbated by um, this phenomenon with social media in this day and age as well. Um, and do you think that... You know, it, this particular term does get bandied around a lot, and I imagine with lots of younger professionals. Do you think that it is a generational uh, thing, or do you think that this inflation um, creep and, or sorry, lifestyle creep, lifestyle inflation, increased wages affects everyone? I, I absolutely think it's human nature. I think, as you rightly pointed out, Caitlin, social media has a massive part to play in it in the millennial generation. Um, but I don't think it's exclusively subject to just kind of young professionals at all. I think we have learned from, I think it's society, right? Because you always have something where we live at the moment, you have things to aspire to. So you, you kind of progress up the ranks. So we've, as millennials, we've learned it from somewhere. And it's not just social media that we've learned it from. It's absolutely older generations who have fed it down to us. Um, I do think social media offers a platform to quite, uh, to sort of toxify it a bit, Um and it's quite interesting, again, in kind of the, the remit that I'm in is where you do have, uh, for example, like celebrities who are coming forward and saying, I mean, one of them's a really good example. He's not a client, I wish, but um, Lethal Bizzle, he's fantastic. And he operates under this kind of phenomenon of being on the skink gang and not having any money. And it's such an interesting and refreshing um way of looking at money and saying actually you don't need to go and grotesquely spend all your money on watches and bling etc you can really kind of tone it down and humble yourself so I think that's a really interesting stance and and the way it's an interesting way of kind of looking at money but no going back to your original point I absolutely don't think it's it's subject to just younger professionals I don't know whether or not you think the same thing will with your client base which is slightly different to mine but yeah no I, I would completely agree I don't think it's a purely generational issue um I would agree that you know there's pressure on young people definitely um to portray a certain lifestyle but again from experience from what we see in uh, Caitlin and our client bank um you know we see it across all of the various life stages um you know it might as I said before it might start with those meals out and takeaway coffees but as you said, Anna, you know, that has fed down from older generations through us and then it has a knock-on effect and it leads to, you know, the nice car or the bigger house than is necessary and so on. So, no, I don't think it's a generally, just a generation, generational issue at all. Yeah, it sounds like we need more people getting on board with pensions like you, Will, and making oh. pensions sexier. <laughs> don't, don't get me started on pensions. We'll be here all day. <laughs> so. So, Will, why is overcoming lifestyle creep then not just about earning more? 
Um, well, I think that this kind of ties in with what we were just talking about, and it's uh, it's actually often referred to as keeping up with the Joneses. I don't know if you ever heard that that saying, but um, there's actually been interesting studies that have been done on this, which suggest that the pressure to compete with your neighbours. So, for example, if your neighbour literally parks a a shiny new car on the driveway, um, people are more inclined to take out a higher level of credit, which um, as a as a concept is is bonkers when you think about it that simplistically. But you have to remember that this is drilled into us from school. You compare yourself all the way through your school life to what you know, which car you're getting picked up from at school, etc. And these really deep rooted ideologies um, are, are really hard to sort of reverse and um, and overcome in your own head. I think I, again, I don't know if you, if what you think, Hannah. Yeah, just think uh, if you earn more, you probably are going to spend more. So it's it's not it's not the answer to overcoming lifestyle creep. It's you know, it's definitely about I would say overcoming lifestyle creep is actually a self awareness and a consciousness of what you're doing with your capital rather than just earning more. It can happen at any any um, point in your earning trajectory or career. Um, it's the the consciousness that you need to have, and that's that's what will help you. Um, really nail this okay so so coming on to that kind of consciousness is actually a really good point naturally it can be you know a bit of a, a touchy subject but when when you're dealing with clients who are spending um lots and you know their costs are incre- increasing in line with their salary and they're not saving um what do you do in terms of approaching that topic with your clients anna yeah, I mean, as an advisor, you, number one thing is you have to be transparent and honest, right? So as an advisor, sometimes your job is to ask uncomfortable questions. Um, if someone is spending more, living absolutely, you know, up to their means, you really need to, it is asking, honestly, you know, you're earning more, you're making more money, but you are not richer and you are not wealthier. And if you're happy to go on that route, then that's absolutely fine. But it's accountability that you're bringing to the forefront of their mind. And I think there's something, there's a taboo within the British kind of um, culture and environment, which is you don't talk about money and you kind of, it's, you know, hush, hush. And and that's not a, a role as an advisor. So you have to say, you know, are you consciously making these decisions about what you're doing with your capital? Do you feel like this is going to kind of improve your life? And if so, then that's great. And if not, then you need to start to make some amendments. Um, some really, there's absolutely no reason that people can't look at their finances at the moment. You don't have to sit down with a pen and paper and like a scroll and go through your bank accounts or, you know, it, it's, you can do it on apps, you can do it on your banking app more. Lots of banks have kind of apps that you can assess it. So it's saying to clients, you know, what have you achieved since we last spoke? You know, where is your money going that you've had this fantastic salary or pay rise from? And if you're not doing anything about it, are you, are you happy, you know, not having any more to show for the work that you're doing? And more often than not, you, the answer is no. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I met with a, a, a new client last week, actually. And this year, her partner's been on furlough for the majority of the year. And and she said it's just really made them reevaluate where they were spending their money previously. And she said, you know, we used to buy our groceries and waitrose, and this year we've been buying them in Asda. And she said, and it's brilliant, it's great, the food is just as good. But they never really worried about money in the past. And every year, you know, her earnings were going up. And she said it's been actually quite refreshing for them to have this, you know, this pivotal moment in their their lives where they've actually been able to sit down and say, okay, well, we now need, do need to really think about where our money's going. And 
and as a result, you know, we're talking about a future savings plan with all of that excess surplus income, particularly when when her husband goes back to work. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, but I think this year has been super humbling in terms of what's happening financially for it's not just one industry that's been affected it's been everyone across the whole uh, sector across the whole world and so I think what people are realizing is actually it's not embarrassing to be in a bad financial position especially on the back of this year and it's it you need to make uh, changes and modifications and adaptation and adapt to surrounding situation I think so many people have realized there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of sound that you just don't need in your life and actually stripping back to basics what does that look like and fundamentally does that make you happy and and quite a lot of people are totally same thing same thing Caitlin is saying how on earth have I been wasting all this money on this for the last x amount of years And, and it's not necessary and either you're doing that on on the back of just making your own decisions this year or the back of circumstances such as furlough yeah absolutely so, Will, would you say that there are things that clients can can start to think about and put in place quite early on so they don't actually experience that effect? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, for me, and I do preach it perhaps a little too strongly, particularly to my friends, um, And I, but I, I try to apply it not only to my finances but to my life more generally, and that's just discipline. I think, Anna, you touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, but I think if you can commit to a disciplined, regular investment plan or, or savings plan on a monthly basis, you're far less likely to turn that plan off um, once it's turned on. But if you don't turn it on in the first place, then then you know you're not uh, benefiting from those sort of incremental gains. I think people um, underestimate what a huge effect the compounding of that um, of that savings plan over time can be and just the compounding of that good decision making over time can be um, so I, th- I would definitely say that that, that is something that clients uh, or, or listeners could be doing Anna are there any other tips and hints you've got for people who need to start thinking about their lifestyle creep and how they can reduce that you know what I've got I've got a few I've got a few, a few that I've got offered the first first one which is the most important one is that you save first and spend after I don't know why it seems like a point whenever I speak to people I'm like okay so how much are you saving and they're like well at the end of the month I tend to sweep across you know a few hundred why are you saving last why is saving and not being wealthy your last priority that that doesn't make sense so saving first and putting money aside that becomes part of your essential outgoings and you can spend whatever you want to after that you can go and buy whatever it doesn't matter after that as long as if the priority and preserving your wealth and building and growing your wealth is there the first as the first point so changing that mentality is so important Secondly is a third, a third, a third rule. So whenever you get a salary rise, a bonus, anything like that, a third goes to increase your your monthly expenses. So if you want to get a slightly nicer washing powder or whatever you want to do to increase your your kind of lifestyle, fine. A third's use of fun, go and buy a new pair of shoes, go and enjoy yourself. That's absolutely important with life. But a third goes into savings and that generally is, is quite a good spread. And that's the discipline that you need to kind of maintain. Um, And then the last point, which I kind of mentioned earlier, 
assess your outgoings. Again, going back to this point of getting getting comfortable, getting really in tune and conscious of where your money is going. Um, it's so easy now with Amazon, like you don't even put your bank details in, you just swipe and it's, and it's paid for. So really sit down, look at where your money is going. And as I said, there's no excuse to not be aware of it. There are so many easy apps to use um, and get familiar with it, I think. So that they're the three things I think clients, you know, accountability, saving first, and a third, a third, a third. Yeah, I like all of those. And I think particularly quite important to be thinking about as we head into the festive season. And but yeah, I'm I'm even, you know, finding myself in at the moment getting caught up in, you know, the the, the festive spirit and, you know, thinking about presents. And it's very easy to go and overspend around Christmas. Um on, you know, the we've got the Black Friday sales, which suck people in and then obviously wanting to treat loved ones. But another tip I would say is if you are in a position where, you know, you've you've had salary reductions this year, you haven't been able to save as much, you've been on furlough, whatever it might be, is just having really honest conversations with your loved ones to say, hey, you know, this year's been a bit tough. Why don't we skip the presents this year or, or, or give to charity or, or do something a little bit different um, so that you're not feeling that that pressure of of spending unnecessarily? Such a good one as well. And I think that means there's slightly less pressure to go out, be in shops, go shopping, expose themselves to like, you know, spreading the virus, getting the virus. And I think this year it's just not spending money on luxury items is not an essential need. Um, so I think that's a really nice one, actually, Kate, then. Yeah. So, Will, what would you recommend to anyone who who potentially is starting to feel that pressure of lifestyle creeping? I'm sure you've got a few friends who are going through something pretty similar at the moment. Yeah, um, you know, I, I actually have less and less friends nowadays because of how much I am actually pestering them on these things. But yeah, I think uh, Anna kind of touched on this earlier. And um, I think the first thing we would always recommend a client does is sit down and go through their income versus their outgoings. You know, knowledge is power. And if you actually understand where, you know, how much is coming in versus how much is going out and where it's going, um, then you're in an infinitely better position than than before when you didn't actually know where it's going now this can be quite a sobering exercise so we tend to recommend you do it with a glass of wine but that is completely up to you um i think uh, but then then you can actually identify from doing that exercise you can identify look uh, these are the areas where i am spending too much but i can't do anything about it right now so if you've perhaps overcommitted yourself to a car finance or your mortgage is too expensive those aren't quick wins but then you can identify areas where perhaps you're spending loads on clothes or as you say food shops meals all of these types of things which actually with a bit of discipline they're quick wins um i also think as well explore with your you know everyone generally we're all auto enrolled onto a pension scheme at work i think a lot of employers uh may have more generous matching contributions so you can even look to be contributing more into your pension through work um as a bare minimum and then again yeah just looking at as anna said before saving first rather than as a secondary thought i don't know if you've got anything to add to that anna yeah i think i think like that's pretty much what i what i would say i think the only thing that i would add to that is you have to start doing a little bit of a bit of mindfulness in terms of the biggest thing that I find with when people are starting, things are creeping up on them is you have to get comfortable with saying no. Um, for example, I had a client who 
uh, was get a, got received a bonus and was like, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to spend all my bonus and some. So I'm just going to chuck it on a credit card for a birthday for the daughter. And I was like, so in theory, you can't afford to do the, the party at kind of the size and the scale that you wanted it. To which their response was, no, you know, got to do it, got to do it, got to make. And I completely appreciate that. But you need to get comfortable as individuals with saying no. If you cannot afford it, there is absolutely no reason to have it. And if actually, even if it means that you're living up to your your top line as well, even that's too much. So that, you know, there's no shame. There's no embarrassment with saying, no, you know what? I'm prioritizing my wealth and my investments and my future savings plans and my my financial well-being above going out for dinner to, you know, an expensive Michelin star restaurant if you can't afford it to do it like every other week. It, get comfortable with saying no and it's not it's not a bad position to be to be looking after your financial well-being and wealth um, as a priority, I would say. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And I, I think that really digs down into something we only briefly touched on, um, but we have discussed in other podcasts, which is the taboo around the conversations with money. And, you know, when people struggle with that, they also struggle with saying no and explaining why they're saying no to friends and family rather than, than just feeling um, the ability to be honest about it. Um, but that's brilliant, guys. Well, thank you so much, Anna and Will, for joining me today. Hopefully that has given some of you some food for thought. I think a lot of us can relate that when we were 22 years old, it was easy to think that you'd be able to save more when your salary doubled or you got that big promotion. Um, but what a lot of us probably didn't take into account was that you wouldn't want to be living with a roommate when you turned 32 or that you'd have car payments or maybe even childcare expenses. And all of a sudden you need that promotion and that extra money simply to stay afloat, let alone save for your retirement or other kind of medium term goals. So I'd say in summary is embrace the power of habit, know your numbers, remember the third rule, remember that behavior is highly socially contagious and reframe those, those behavior, those frugal behaviors so that they're simple and necessary and, and not deemed a sacrifice. And that is it from us today. So thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time. Thank you. Thanks.